Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. I know you've heard the phrase that um, practice makes perfect. In the sports world, someone um, corrected that a little bit, and they said perfect practice makes perfect. And there's probably a little bit of truth to that. Just haphazard practice doesn't matter. How you do things uh, will dictate how they turn out sometimes. Today, we're talking from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We've already done a couple phrases there. Today, we're going to hit the aspect of prayer. And um, I would venture to guess, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I know none of us should be able to raise our hands, and the only ones who would were definitely not qualified, and that is how many of you have perfected prayer? No one. No one has. And we really have not. But we need prayer, don't we? Here's what the text says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now remember, the setting of this, uh, Dr. Luke is looking back on that very first day when the church began. Pentecost had happened. Peter stood up and gave the explanation of what was happening there. And people got saved. In fact, there were 3,000 people who confessed faith in Christ that day, that very first day, and they were baptized according to verse 41, which we're not looking at this moment. They were people that over time experienced hatred toward them because of their newfound faith in Christ. They were ridiculed, and many of them suffered. And yet, according to Luke, they remained very, very faithful. And as he says in this verse, they were committed, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. That was the foundation of their growth and their spiritual health. Scripture is food for believers to grow on. It gives us the power that we need. And there's nothing else like Scripture for us to experience spiritual growth. They were obedient to the practices of the church. They had been baptized, they participated in the communion um, as they did throughout history. That was important. Now we see that they're practicing prayer as well. And, And you try to think of what was that like for them? They just now learned how Christ, who was crucified and risen again, was the Messiah. And it all comes around to, um, to bring faith to them. It, it all starts to make sense. And now, what was their prayer life like? I would think there was a new zeal. They, they were probably, most of them were Jewish people, so they were accustomed to praying. They had certain kinds of prayers they did, and they knew how to pray. But this had to be brand new to them. Very fresh, very exciting, very um, very real and powerful in their lives. And it sounds like their prayer life became persistent. They prayed a lot, and they prayed with great eagerness. Here's something I just read recently from Joe Stoll that said, If God never does anything more than redeem us, 
he cancels hell and guarantees heaven. If he never does anything more than that, he has already done more than we deserve. He goes on to say, and that ought to be enough to launch me into praise and worship for the rest of my life. And I think that's what they experienced that day. They all of a sudden realized that hell was canceled. Heaven was guaranteed. It was all through Christ. And they were launched into praise and worship of Jesus. And prayer was a gigantic part of all of that. John MacArthur says, Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Wow. This frail little prayer that we give somehow moves God. He's touched by it. He cares about it. He's interested in it. Today's Mother's Day, so I thought is, and, and if you follow the text, you'll see that um, I'm not in the exact order of how it's written, and that's because I thought how appropriate to talk about prayer on Mother's Day because women are known, many women are known for, for being good prayers. They, they do well at that. And I think it's because they need to do it. They, they pray because they love people. They love their families. They care deeply. But they also pray because they need to. They have to. Because they love, they have a lot of burdens in their lives. Women who are not mothers pray as well. And we need that. And I've heard men pray, and sometimes children do too. All of that is really critical and important. Sadly, in, in some churches, prayer tends to be neglected, which then explains legitimate explanation of why churches are weak and often absent as far as having real influence on what's going on around them. If any of those four things that are listed up there, the Word of God being taught, the practices of the faith, the ordinances, prayer and fellowship, if any of that is missing, then the church is nothing more than a social club. You can add more stuff to it, but you don't dare take anything away from those four. Now, on the more practical side, you and I both agree and know that prayer can be very, very difficult at times. Whether it's a private prayer of you in your prayer closet or whether you're leading corporately, I find that to be a difficult thing, although I do it all the time. Sometimes I do things that are really... Um, I did this for a long, long time. It's not just because I'm old. But the other day when we had the, the meal with the family, and I prayed for the meal before that and, and asked the Lord to you know, strengthen the family and to bless the food. And then I greeted family members as they went through. And then when everybody got their food and stuff and all went and sat down, and I took some, and I went and sat down, and I started praying for the food. It's like, I already prayed for this. <laughs> And so, you know, there are times when you just do stuff. Sometimes prayer is really, really difficult. And my guess is that your most private, personal prayers are rarely heard by anyone else other than the Lord. The things that are really deep inside of you, uh, you're not communicating them, even to some of the closest people in your life. And I think it should be that way. I really do. I think we all have things that we need to take before the Lord. And some of them, um, not that they're bad or anything like that. They just, they're just things that are between us and God. And I also feel awkward sometimes in public prayer because 
of you know the respect of other people's privacy. It, it's uh, I've been in prayer meetings at other churches where someone will get up and pray for um, Horatio, and they'll list his whole list of sins that he has. And I feel like, oh man, Horatio is being slandered legally here, and we're praying for him. And I understand the heart of you know why we're praying this, but man, we don't. We don't need to tell you everything. I kind of think God knows about that. So there's a lot of times that's uncomfortable. Prayer is just uncomfortable for us in a lot of ways. And it's also difficult because it is so critical to the to the life supply for the believer that Satan knows that, and he's going to attack it like crazy. He's going to make it so you, you're uncomfortable. He's going to make it so it's... Uh, uh, disrupted and, and so that it never happens the way you want it to. Well, it says here in chapter 2, verse 42, that they prayed. And it doesn't give a whole lot of detail about that. And I wondered at times, what did they pray about? So I'm going to speculate a little bit here. But I think I'm, I'm on target when I say they probably prayed for more converts. <laughs> they had just discovered grace, God's grace, and how amazing that must have been to them because, you know, they had grown up in a religious institution that had practices and had deep meanings and was very, very valuable, but now they had seen all of that culminate in the Messiah who was sent, who paid for their sins, everything that they ever wanted, if they had proper desires, everything was fulfilled in Christ. And this was a new experience for them. And I'm sure that if uh, of some of the 3,000 who were there, there were maybe some in a household that were saved and some that may not have been there or some that just didn't get it or didn't understand it or didn't want it. And I think they prayed for some of those loved ones and, and other neighbors and people who they knew that maybe weren't even nearby that um, that they would have the same experience of coming to know Christ as Savior. So I think they prayed for more converts. They discovered that prayer had great power. And they learned that there could be a dependency upon God that could be expressed through prayer and that they needed that as well. They knew, they knew that some needed a new revelation from God. They needed to understand more and more of the scriptures they all had great needs. They all had great concerns. And they were praying a lot. When I think through some of the apostles and what they prayed for, I'm just going to go with Paul because you're probably most familiar with him. But when Paul would pray, he would ask for things like God's strength in order for him to be faithful to God. He would pray for more power and wisdom so that he could reach many people. I think in your bulletin, there was a, a verse in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. And there he said that um, he's praying. He wanted them to pray for him so that God would give an open door. So he'd have opportunity to go in and, and share the mysteries of Christ. The mystery that I think you know that in the New Testament, when it uses the word mystery, it doesn't mean Alfred Hitchcock. It means something that was before unknown and now has been revealed. The mystery of the Messiah 
is now we know who that is. We had a little bit of information about who was coming, what he would do, what it would be like. But now we know it's Jesus of Nazareth and he's the Messiah. It was very rare and I would say almost never where Paul would pray for personal protection or something very, very personal like that. Paul faced a lot of tough things. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians uh, where he tells of shipwrecks and beatings and all kinds of things that happened to him that were horrific because he was a born-again believer in Christ. Tough things. But you don't find him ever saying, God, keep me from this. I protect me from this problem. He rarely, if ever, asks for anything for himself. Now, don't misunderstand that. It's okay to pray for yourself, to ask God for yourself. God wants to know from your words what your needs are, and he wants to hear from you. Um, God knows all about it. He knows what your needs are. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows your circumstances. But he wants to hear from you because prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a conversation between us and God. He speaks to us through his word. That's where he gives us guidance and information that we need. We speak to him through prayer. And then he answers us. And he answers those prayers sometimes by the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit speaking inside of us. Sometimes through the circumstances of our lives, he tells us directions. God wants moms to pray. God wants dads to pray. God wants kids to pray. And if there's anything else, he wants them to pray too. <clears throat> he does care about our lives. He cares about our trials and he cares about our cares. We can bring all of that to him. And he definitely cares about his church, the body of Christ. And he wants people in his church to be praying. And he wants us to be praying for the church and he wants us to pray for the universal church Everybody around the world, believers uh, in other locations, and some of them really, really need a lot of prayer. There's a lot of people that are persecuted all throughout our world because of their faith in Christ. And we need to be praying for them. There's not a lot else we can do for some, but we can always pray. And he wants us to pray for the local church. And he wants us to have power that comes from him. And he wants us to have influence in our culture and and he wants to see lives changed. Churches should be marked by prayer. <clears throat> One of the things that we're involved in with our church and have been for a while, it's not new to us, uh, other communities have added, is the Release Time Bible programs. And there's a lot of them around in our area, but that's, uh, and there's a lot across the country that are doing it. But we started ours about 11 or 12 years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. And um, totally not because of me, but we, it was a unique beginning of how it started. And, and compared to most programs across the state, it really went through flawlessly at the beginning. I would say that had a lot to do with like Ann and our kids and some of our own church people who have had a very positive testimony in the school community. And that was really good. But as a result of it, our state director is still like uh, naively impressed with who we, who we were and how we got started. And so I've been assigned on occasions to meet with groups that are going to begin and try to help them. And I've done that with several groups now, but um, I usually communicate to them 
something that I think is true for any new Christian ministry. I say to them, there's three things that you need, and the first two are important, but they you could get away with those, whether you have them or not, and the third one is essential. The first thing that you need is a vision. Somebody who says, man, this is needed. We've got to do this. Our community will be blessed by it. We've got to have this thing happen. If you don't have that, I do think God can get it done anyhow, but uh, it really helps if you have a point person or several point people who have vision. The next one is connections, where you know people who know people and, and can have a positive influence and they can help uh, pull off programs that are new and want to get started. That's really good. But even if you don't have connections, it can still work. This last fall, in the school district of Field, uh, just on the east side of Akron, there was a young couple that heard about Release Time Bible and they wanted to start it in their middle school. And this was a young uh, youth pastor and his wife. And I've met with them twice now that I can remember. And they knew nobody in the field school district. Believe it or not, I had more connections than they did in the field because our former football coach had just gone to field. And so I knew him. And there was a teacher at field who also this last year coached at Chippewa. And so I got to know him. And so I actually had more contacts than him. He had none. But he ended up being able to get into the school district and, and started a, a regular time of Bible study uh, for students, and it went okay. So, you know, you, you can do without the visionary, you can do without the connection, but you can't do without the prayer. Nothing is going to happen if you don't have a base of prayer to bring it about and support it. That's some really good quotes here. And I need to explain something. In the event that you are considerably younger than I am, I have to explain a little bit about the English language because I'm not so sure how much people grasp. But I don't want you to be overly sensitive, but sometimes people use the word man or men in the all-inclusive of humanity type thing. So if it says we need men that do this or that. It could mean men, women, and children. It's just mankind is what it's saying. So that's important. You're going to need to know that in this quote. And then also you want to know that uh, sometimes inanimate objects are referred to in a feminine pronoun. So, you know, we talk about that with cars and ships. It's like, oh, she's a thing of beauty she is out in the sea. Yeah, that's it's beautiful to see a ship out there. We say that kind of stuff. So with that in mind, I want to show you this quote. I know it's long. It says, what the church needs today is not more or better machinery, not new organizations or novel methods. She, the church, needs men, women, children, mankind, whom the Holy Spirit can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not anoint plans, but men, men of prayers. The word, that, I mean, all of that is great and makes sense, and all of that is true and accurate. The thing that really um, impressed me was uh, the author of it, E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds was a military chaplain. He was a military chaplain in the Civil War. 
And did you notice what he says about what the church needs today? 1860s, this is what it needed. And today is what, 2019 or something like that. And that is exactly true today. It's exactly true today. That's what we always need. We need men, women, children who are a prayer. And God's going to use that, which is really good news. That is really good news because it, God didn't tell us that what I really need are great minds or extremely gifted and talented people because a lot of us would be disqualified if that were the case. But he says, I need people of prayer. People who will lean on the Spirit of God. I need people who will trust me for the results. Men are God's methods, and women and children are as well. I'm going to bring this a little bit more up to date with a more modern um, quote. Uh, this one starts out, and I'm just going to, you're going to just see some of the words, not all of them, because there's so many points here. But it, here's the quote Banish professionalism from our midst, O oh God, and in its place put uh, passionate prayer, poverty of spirit, hunger for God, rigorous study of holy things, white-hot devotion to Jesus Christ, and utter differences to all material gain. It's a pretty good prayer. By the way, I'm going to tell you that I'm just stalling, so if you were writing, you can get it. But um, this, is a, this is a quote from a guy named John Piper. Uh, he is a very modern uh, scholar and theologian that is greatly loved by all the pastors and everything who are younger than I am. He's more their world, but he's right on here. So here's things that it's like, let's get rid of professionalism. We don't, it's not that important. Here's what we need. We need passionate prayer. That alone would just say it all. But the poverty of spirit, the hunger for God, the study of holy things, the devotion to Christ, and let's forget about material gain. And then he's going to add some more things here. He says, an unremitting labor to rescue the person. We get rid of the others. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to labor hard to rescue lost people. We want to see the perfection or the completion of saints and to bring, oops, I thought that was going to come. There it is. And to glorify our sovereign Lord. That's John Piper. That's great. We need passionate prayer. We need hunger for God. We need holy living. We need straight out devotion to Jesus Christ. And then we could rescue people. Then we can see people grow in him. Then we can bring glory to our Savior. <clears throat> Whoops, there's the next thing I don't want up there. Or do I? I don't know if I want it up there or not. We'll put it there anyhow. What is it? Oh, I love this quote. I really do love this. I, I love J.C. Baxter. He, he uh, is with Jesus, but he was a great British preacher. And I'll never forget, he came to Grace when we were there. I think it was college days, but it might have been seminary. It all runs together now. But he spent four days in chapel preaching on John 3.16. It was phenomenal. It was really, really good. I have to find that somewhere, his writings. This church needs to be 
a church that prays for the perishing people around us. And we need to be a church that helps grow those who are under our care. And when we do that, we will surely bring glory to God. Here's why I put this quote up, because you care about people and you pray for people and you probably care and pray for people that you're not having any impact or success with. In fact, there may be some that are brokenhearted or breaking your heart and they don't want anything to do with you. That's very possible. That's why I like what Jay Sidlow says here. He said, our loved ones may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, and despise our very persons. Oh man, I, I know there's some that are like experiencing that. That's heartbreaking. But they are helpless against our prayers. They are absolutely helpless against our prayers. I, I totally believe that. I totally believe that is true. There could be people in your life that just will not give you the time of day and not have anything to do with you. They, they just repel you totally. And you can have a great influence on them through your prayer life. I'm assuming, I hope, that uh, all of us have had the experience at least sometime where somebody in a rough situation, a rough relationship, and you prayed and prayed and prayed for them, and that thing got resolved. At least I know I've had that happen before. Prayer gives you power that you couldn't have any other way. Here's another reminder about how, why we need prayer. There it goes. Nothing good, nothing great, nothing lasting, nothing holy can ever happen apart from prayer. I agree. I agree. Prayer is just so essential. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, Scripture is all about God's personal agenda to restore relationships with you and Him. And that satisfies the longing of our souls. God does the work, we come back to Him, and it glorifies Him. God will satisfy your soul, He will sustain your life, He will secure your eternity. The church must have people who are saved and devoted to studying His Word while participating in His practices and enjoying fellowship and ministering with prayer. Prayer is the least thing that you can do. It's also the best thing that you can do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for just the, uh, the practice of prayer and, and the connection, the fellowship that we have with you through it. Thank you so much for being so open to us, so welcoming to us every time we come. Even when our hearts are not right and we turn to you, you don't shun us, you don't send us away. You receive us and welcome us back. Even when we're hurt and needing, you welcome us into your presence and you wrap your arms around us and you give us strength to meet the task that we've been called to face. God, you're such a gracious, loving, merciful God. And we praise you for that. Today, Lord, we thank you for those who stand strong in you. And we thank you and, and ask that you would assist those who are standing, but they're weak in you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to draw near to you because you call us to yourself. 
And may we bring glory to your name through growth and ministry and other things that just remind us of how great you are. We thank you through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.